Okay, we're live. So uh, I guess we're doing this. So, uh, I guess we're doing this. All right, everyone. Well, welcome to the inaugural episode of the cast strength podcast um hopefully there's gonna be a lot more um of these in the future uh we're gonna try and make this a weekly thing uh joining us today as always is gonna be josh galladay and myself vito galliardi we're gonna be doing the hosting duties uh josh how you doing over there huh oh sorry vito uh i was just lost in this delectable glass of sweet and salty luxury of uh talisker 18 which which I've just sadly bottled down. Ooh, you know, there's a song for that kind of thing. I, think I know. Gonna... I don't think I'm going to be singing it today, though. <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, all right. And um, behind the glass, virtual glass, <clears throat> the demi god, demi host, we're going to call him the demi host here, Brad Leclerc. What, what, what's, what's this? That, that's me. Hi. That's that's you. How you doing? How's it going, man? I'm good. Good, good. I'll be in the background, causing chaos. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. What's what's in your glass? Nothing yet, but it's about to be Talisker 25, I think. You you skip the glass, go straight for the bottle. 25. You've got an older Talisker than I do right now. Well, I just thought I I thought I'd bring this one out here just to make you a little bit jealous. Don't you dare. <laughs> For those for those listening, what is uh, what is on your hand right now? This right here, it's a a Talisker 1985, which Ooh. comes in this very fancy box with a little book. And uh, well, this belongs to Brad, but I have it right now. So who knows? If uh, Brad doesn't behave himself, then maybe I get to sample it before he does. Fighting words, fighting words. <laughs> All right. So um, for um starters we're gonna just lay out a couple of uh couple of um expectations or ground rules or i guess you could say um we're gonna be doing live streams um and uh, for everyone that joins us for them um feel free to list out any questions uh, that you might have um we're gonna be taking um tally of them at the end and answering a couple of them um we really appreciate any feedback, uh, positive and negative, anything that uh, we can do to make this a little bit better. Um, you know, not everyone's going to be 100% happy, but we're going to do our best to uh, do what makes us happy, do what makes a bunch of people happy, have a good time, and uh, have some fun. Uh, so with that being said, I'm going to give a pre-show grade, and I'm going to say a B plus. B at best. At best, B plus. It's, it, yeah. That's all you can really hope for, I think. <laughs> so uh, having said that, uh, let's get into this. So um, I guess we're going to start with a bit of whiskey news. <clears throat> and um, I guess International Share Week uh, this week. And um, being uh, very much we lost Vito's audio. Can you hear me? 
We've lost Vito. Oh, no. Josh, it's on you. Oh, oh, shit. It's on me. Um, well, <laughs> well, you better get that uh, audio fixed real quick, Vito, because I don't know what the hell I'm doing here by myself. Can you hear me? Oh, my God. He's back. I'm he's back. He's back again. I need Growing pains. Growing pains. So lost. So, all right. So, everyone knows that uh, there's a lot of whiskey that's matured in uh, sherry casks and a bunch of other wine casks as well, but sherry being the dominant, especially in the Highlands and Speyside area. And uh, this week, um, Tamdu is running a bunch of events, which is uh, which looks pretty interesting. They got, uh, you know, um, videos and how-tos, a bunch of photography, um, highlighting um, the influence that the sherry casks have had on the whiskey industry and uh, just making it a little bit more, um, you know, uh, for everyone that hasn't had sherry or only has sherry because of whiskey, um, getting a little bit of uh, traction there. You know, uh, the more sherry that is drank, the more barrels that we have to make whiskey. Well, you know what's interesting about it? I like the uh, I like the name they're giving it the Spain to Speyside because uh, sherry is the, the the sherry capital, if you will, is Jerez, Spain, which uh, happens to be in the region of Andalusia, which is one of the best, I think, the best Texas distilleries called Andalusia Whiskey Company. So, um, did you know that often, not always, but often, uh, those sherry casks, they put sherry in them and they age them is specifically for whiskey production. The sherry actually doesn't get, doesn't always get bottled and drank. Like distilleries may get barrels made to their specifications with the kind of sherry that they want just to age the whiskey in it later. I did not know that. I know uh, Glenn Goyne is one that does that, for example. And I'm learning something and that's what this is all about. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So that's that's really cool. It's um, and you know uh, if you're not one for uh, sherry finished whiskeys um, or any of the Highlander space sides, definitely give it, give it a chance. Try blending it. Try putting uh, doing some mixes. Um, something good that I um, can suggest, and I'm going to probably get a little bit of a little bit of heckling for this, but uh, Monkey Shoulder is yeah. is very very good for that um you brought up the forbidden monkey man. i brought up i brought up the the taboo whiskey um oh. super smooth <laughs> uh, but it's it's really good because on their website um they have a lot of cocktails uh that are geared uh to be made with monkey shoulder so no, if you're not really the intention right is yeah uh, it's, it's a blend you can drink it neat, but it's it does well in cocktails. Right? Yeah, so if you're not if you're not one for that and want to try getting into it, that's a really good way. I, I I've um, had a success in with other types of whiskeys is starting in cocktails and working my way into neat. Um, so if you're not one for that, that's an, that's an option for you, right? Um, it's International Sherry Week, so uh, you know let's uh, let's show some some love to sherry sherry you, and sherry casks. Have you had much sherry by itself? I've been meaning to go. I've heard this is a good way to to pick up the different types of sherry influence in whiskey is to go and buy some of the varieties of sherry and try them and get to know them a little bit so that then when you have a sherry finished whiskey or a sherry aged whiskey, you can pick that up more readily. I haven't recently. Um, I used to dabble a little bit into it over the holidays with my family. My family being Italian, there's always sherry, port, all sorts of weirdness. Um, at gatherings, so I've used to drink a bit of it, but not very much. And that was well before my my drinking for enjoyment 
not so much for pleasure. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I'm, 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 I'm going to keep that in mind next time I'm at the liquor store, pick up a bottle and, uh, and definitely do that. What are your, what are your favorite sherry influenced whiskeys personally? Um, well, I bottled down a Glendronic 12 and that's Sherry and Oloroso. Mm -hmm. Um, probably the Udo. Yeah. I was say Udo, Udo. Right. Just the, the way, the way it influences the, that smoky peat and ash is just absolutely fantastic. It just interacts so well with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Aberlour is another good one. Aberlour's, uh, yeah. If you want kind of that, you know, rich, fruity, desserty thing, but uh, yeah, I'd probably go with Ugadal as well, or the Kiloman uh, Seneg. Seneg is delicious as well. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely really, really good. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And what about you, Brad? Sherry finish. Uh, sherry finished stuff. Basically none. I never drink wine. Uh, uh, I have basically no experience outside of whiskey that has been finished in things, but uh, I probably should. But it feels like research, and I don't. I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That feels like it. work, man. Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I guess it's enough. a good. It's a good idea. I'm just saying, I probably won't because I'm lazy. But it it is a very good idea. <laughs> Uh, yeah, cool. That's, uh, yeah, I, I've been meaning to pick up some of those sherries and, and, you know, just a handful to kind of try them out and learn the differences between the different varieties and stuff. So probably in the next month or so, next time I go to the liquor store, I'll pick up some of that stuff. I don't think it's terribly expensive either, really. Uh, no, um, if I recall, I think they'll range, well, um, an American, they'll probably range from like 10 to 25, probably. So somebody was asking, uh, um, after the sherry's out of the cask, what happens to the cask? Is it washed and then charred or whiskey goes straight in it? I think that's really something that there's no, there's no rule on that, right? Like the distiller can do whatever he wants. Um, you know, so they may char it and reuse it. Uh, they may pour whiskey straight back in it. Uh, at a certain point, the barrel breaches the end of its life, but yeah. Yeah. Um, when one one day what we'll what we'll do is we're gonna have a couple of guest spots and uh, I think we might have um a a, a very special ex Cooper that uh, can shine some light on barrel and barrel ages and how that's dealt with. So would you, would you say that we know people? We might know a couple of people. <laughs> so we so, know people who know what they're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> we know not, we know nothing. Well, hold on, one of us here is a sommelier this is true one is that's, a real genuine sommelier that, that's like a black belt in karate it just means i'm up to the task of starting to learn i you know, <laughs> I'm at the beginning of my journey all right very good very good uh all right next article um josh you know what you take the reins on this one buddy because i know how passionate you are about this topic here it really is something that it gets me fired up i think uh oh. so we all Poor know choice we, of words, Josh. <laughs> Poor choice of words. <laughs> we, we all know and love the actress Gwyneth Paltrow, right? But uh, she's known for for her her new website that sells things. Uh, goop. What's goop? Goop. The the goop. G O uh, O P. Goop. Yeah. Uh, so there was an article. Uh, I think you didn't you find it, Vito, and then you sent it to me, and, and, and I was very frustrated with that. Unfortunately, I did find it, and unfortunately for you, I shared it with you. Yeah. And unfortunately for everybody here joining us, get ready for this one. 
So the article, the, the headline poses the question, should we all be drinking whiskey in the bath like Gwyneth Paltrow? Uh, the Gook founder, Gwyneth Paltrow, the actress, apparently learned, it, learned in London to drink seven days a week while taking a bath. I'm not sure I'd recommend that, really. Getting drunk in the bath, first of all, probably a terrible idea. Uh, wouldn't you agree? I would agree wholeheartedly. Second of uh, all, there there are a lot of ladies out there in the whiskey world, awesome women who I would take whiskey advice from all day long, but I don't know if I'd take it from an actress that sells jade eggs and pseudoscience on the internet, you know? One of the biggest um, things I've had I've had an issue with with this is that there's a lot of people that are going to uh, blindly follow her for, unfortunately, um, just because of her influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, one thing I, I, I had already, I already knew that in Japan, um, it's not common to have alcohol near hot springs or saunas and stuff like that. Um, however, and that's because, um, alcohol consumption is one of the main reasons of dying in the bath in Japan. Oh, wow. Um, so, um, Nick, do that. You drink, you keep drinking, it's warm, you're relaxed, you go to sleep, you might the, drown, right? You might, you might drown. Um, so, and, and her, and her stance drinking specifically, I think she, I think it was uh, Japanese whiskey, preferably, yeah, her, a Japanese yeah, whiskey right. in hot, in hot tubs is, um, is a little bit of a slap to the face. Uh, well, I, I guess, yeah, for a slap in the face for uh, like, you know, a country that's had to deal with, uh, somewhat of a somewhat of a problem, um, and it, it it causes death. It can it can lead to like un- unfortunate death. And um, you know, um, if you know anyone that uh, brings this up, please let them know that there are very serious consequences um, if not handled properly. However, on the other side of things, if you agree with Gwyneth Paltrow and you want to support her, you can go to her website and buy a whiskey decanter set. Oh yeah, a uh, it's a it's a glass with a stopper and a little tray to put it on, and it's one hundred and sixty dollars. Um, and not to not to there's another product as well on her website, and this isn't this isn't a plug. We're not sponsored by her because we're we're <laughs> we're, we're, we're we're clearly not sponsored by her. Uh, Wait till but, next week when we will be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the descriptions to one of her decanter sets, whiskey decanter sets. Um, it makes any whiskey, scotch, or bourbon about 1,000 times more enjoyable. <laughs> now, if, if anybody happens to come across this just by chance or by a mooching of sorts, mm. um, Test it. I, I would love to know if it indeed makes any whiskey, scotch, or bourbon 1,000 times more enjoyable. I like how Goop has left themselves an out there by using the word about. It's it's roughly a 1,000 times. Somewhere between zero and a 1,000% better. (laughs) Yeah, approximately. Yeah, science. It's it's very scientific what they're doing over there. So. Yeah, Uh, so... What was was the next bit? Oh, uh, do you hear that there was this warehouse that collapsed? A warehouse? Yes. It had whiskey in it, and I think, I think they were ha- Metallica came to play a concert at the site of the collapse because wow. they were, were going to barrel that they were going to take that whiskey in the barrels and then put it into bottles or something like that, and then 
And I think McAllen was involved somehow. They had some really expensive whiskey. I don't know. There was a lot going on with that warehouse collapse. I didn't hear about this, but uh, I wish I wish I'd been there. I'm a big Metallica fan. I would have loved to have seen them ravage uh, whiskey barrel house. Would that not be that would be the most metal whiskey event of all time? Just collapse, destroyed warehouse. <laughs> There's just barrels everywhere, and then like James Hetfield just takes this like million dollar bottle of McAllen and just chugs it, slams it on the stage, and goes straight into like seek and destroy. <laughs> that, <would> be, <laughs> that is a vision of dreams for me right there <laughs> you could die a happy man if you saw that happen if, if i saw that happen oh that'd be great but <laughs> yeah there's a little bit of a little bit of fun there for the chat uh with uh with the barrel collapse um so that's uh that's this week in news in whiskey news professional whiskey journalism yes Yes, only the highest standards. Just the highest. Yeah. Um. So, um. After the after the news, we're gonna we're talking about um a rare, a fairly large topic here, um, which we're gonna call the heart cut. Now, there's always a bunch of questions that we see online. Uh, what's the best glassware for drinking whiskey? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of questions out there about glassware and a lot of people that say it doesn't matter and the people are too obsessed with it and and uh, people have their different preferences and they don't like this glass and they do like that glass. So uh, we kind of listed some of our favorites and the ones that we own and a few a few that we've used but don't don't own personally. But yeah, there's um, there's something to be said um, about um, glassware. Um, it should be pretty much the same ideal idea as whiskey drink your whiskey out of the glass that you want to however you best enjoy it there's no best one to drink your whiskey out of um i recently had a revelation recent uh, a couple nights ago i enjoyed a specific glass but i will not be asking for this glass at other uh, establishments so um yeah, so let's get into it. Uh, okay. The top uh, glass where that uh, or glass that we see around is the Glencairn glass. Of course, the Glencairn's the like industry standard, right? Every place has them. This one's from Balcones, but um, I like to actually. I have a I have a bunch of Glencairn glasses. Anytime I go and visit a distillery that offers them, you know, as something you can buy merchandise wise, I'll collect one and and you know add it to the collection as a memento of going there. So um, obviously the design's real focused, right? It gets everything right to the nose. Um, it's it's kind of a standard that everybody can agree on. It yep. it can be a little funky to hold. You kind of got to grip it by the base there, right? And then uh, sometimes it can kind of um, you get something like a barrel-proof bourbon that's really in your face. Uh, can kind of just be a little aggressive and a little focused. Sometimes I like to use a different glass for stuff like that. But generally speaking, if I'm drinking whiskey, I'm reaching for a Glencairn. That's uh, just kind of what everybody's become accustomed to, I think. Yeah. I, apparently, I'm having audio issues. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, perfect. Just want to make sure that uh, you know I uh, don't lose any of the zero dollars uh, <laughs> it's fine. We'll dock your pay later. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I prefer in so at home I have a bunch of Glencairns. This is my preferred uh, method of drinking whiskey at home. 
Um, is that the Magnificent Bastard one? This is the Magnificent Bastard one. Look at that. Yeah, buddy. So I can't fancy. See yeah. Um, yeah, this is my preferred method at home and at um, at whiskey uh, bars. So um, at the couple of whiskey bars I've been to, they actually have a wide, a fairly good range. They have um, uh, Glencairns, they have Copitas, um, and a little bit of a wider sort of a Rideau-style glass um, mm -hmm. that um, I haven't really seen anywhere else, but it works. Um, there, I have no problems. They, I have, they know they're accustomed to it. They know how to serve whiskey pretty much. Right. But at, right. at, at general bars, if I'm out and I feel like a uh, Glen or whatnot, they're not going to have anything like that. So I'll, I'll take it in a, in a rocks glass, you know, mm -hmm. no problem. Um, it's not, you know, I yeah, try a lot to... of times we'll get something like this guy, just a regular rocks glass. Which yeah. Is, and I like sometimes if I'm just going to pour some bourbon and I'm sitting down and just not really thinking about it, not really trying to learn the whiskey or anything like that. Uh, this is perfectly fine. Yeah, um, works great. So, uh, also, if you're going to make an old fashioned or some other kind of cocktail, then you know, it's perfect per for that. Yeah, perfect for that. Mm -hmm. All right. Next, next we have a copita. Um, now, none, none of us actually own. Yeah, none of us really own it, uh, but it is a long stem. Um, I have something here similar, right? So, for those that don't know, so this is a grappa glass, but um, the copita has a long stem and then essentially just a miniature Glencairn on top of it. Mm -hmm. um, very fancy glass. Um, who's a Dal the Dalmore guy? Um, Wade, Wade's a Dalmore guy. No, no. Um, the main, oh, oh I, I know who you're talking about. Um, Richard Patterson. Richard Patterson loves <laughs> loves his copitas. Um, his videos are hilarious. Throw the whiskey um, on the floor guy. Yeah. Um, so the copitas really, really nice. Um, just really fancy. Um, not my favorite, um, just because of I have to the way I have to hold it and whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. But does its perp does its job uh, wonderfully. Um, pretty much just you know a, a long stemmed miniature Glencairn. Yeah, I, th I I kind of agree with Mike here in the chat though. I do like it sometimes because part of the point of having a stem on the glass is so that your hand doesn't warm up the whiskey. Yeah, inadvertently, but you know uh, if you grip it by grip the, by the base, yeah, it's not too bad, but. Yeah, I, I like a copita. I don't, I don't know why I don't have any. It's not on purpose. It's not because I don't like them. I just, I, you know, every place has these. So, uh, anyway, uh, the next one was the Canadian rocks glass. Yeah, and this but, one's um, this one's my one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Uh, do you have one of these? Yeah, I have. I have one of the tribe ones. Yeah, same here. I've got the one uh, with the engraving. Ditto, yeah. yeah. I got the tribe yeah. one, and that's it. This really, really works surprisingly well. I'm, I'm very impressed by it. Uh, yeah. This is just the straight walled uh, glass like this. It, it doesn't lose too much of the, the, the nosing properties that you get from something like a Glencairn, uh, but it does kind of have that greater air volume in there, so it doesn't punch you right in the face. And you know, it's, I don't know, it's just all around a nice glass, nice to hold. And it, it looks amazingly fancy with a round ice ball in it. Yeah. Yes. Very luxurious. Luxury. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, it's, it's, one, it's one of my favorites simply because um, I don't drink anything neat, but I have seen you drink stuff neat, uh, Josh, out of it. And I'm going to try it eventually. But mixing cocktails, because of the bulb at the bottom, you can get really in there and get a really good stir out of everything and really get everything well incorporated in, in the glass if you don't want to use a shaker or anything like that. 
sure. um, I, 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 I really enjoy making cocktails in, uh, in those ones. Yeah. Not, have- not, not, to, not, not to shame, you know, the regular rocks glass, but, uh, it is my, it is my preferred out of the two. I would agree for sure. For some reason, I've never made a cocktail in it though, but oh, yeah. uh, I don't, I don't make many cocktails anyway, but yeah. when I do, I always seem to reach for this guy. Um, okay. Moving on to the next, right? The normal standard go-to yeah. rocks glass, right? Yep. Uh, we, we touched upon it pretty, pretty well, you know, standard straight wall, uh, great for, you know, your super high proof bourbons, great for cocktails. Um, you know what, what you can't really knock it too much. It does its job. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, just not, you know, it's too open. Like it doesn't have that kind of tulip shape. Yeah. This guy does. Right. Uh, the tulip shape I feel like is really helpful for nosing whiskey, but yeah, you know, if there's nothing else around, it's fine. Uh, I've got a handful of these and and I use them occasionally, but, but mostly they just kind of stay in the cabinet. Um, then the, the next one is the, Probably the most divisive glass, I think. Oh, yeah. I would say so. People either like it or they really hate it. Uh, the Norland glass, which is, for those that don't know, this is a Norland glass. I do not have one. It, I have a pair that I I have some I mild buyer's remorse about. Oh, Brad has one. That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, double walled, like it's insulated. So it's great for, you know, it feels nice in the hand and, and, uh, your hand has no chance of warming the whiskey inside. It's got a little bit of a wider, you know, like airspace in the inside there to, so it doesn't quite punch you in the face. If you've got something high proof, I do actually like this for those cast strength bourbons here and there, but I'm not sure I like it a lot more than the Canadian rocks glass actually. Mm. It's, it's all right. And I have them, but I don't think like if these broke, I wouldn't replace them. I don't think. Right. And then as far as I have heard, I haven't really done any looking into buying them, but I've heard that they're a bit on the more expensive side. Yeah. These were, especially to get them into Canada, unfortunately, Vito. So you're screwed even more. Well, (laughs) well, shucks guys. Like I, I'm, I'm, what will you do? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do now. They do fit so nicely in my giant hands, though. (laughs) It's it's helpful in that regard. The other thing that is kind of weird about it is it's got this really thick lip that, you know, like most Glencairns have kind of a wine glass edge. uh, So does the Canadian Rocks glass. But, um, you know, that kind of fine glassware feel. Uh, This is probably easily twice as thick. Mm. Uh, So it does feel a little bit clunky when you're drinking from it i guess but yeah not bad i use it sometimes but um i yeah not my preference um all right so next is uh pretty much my show now because no one has this glass probably um a grappa glass so grappa is just a high uh spirit italian spirit um okay. i'm i i hate it but i got gifted these as a wedding uh gift uh, not my wedding, um, like a wedding souvenir. What do, what do you call it? In like we in Italian in Italy, we're called they're called bomanetti. Oh, it's like something that you gift oh, to your guests. Yeah, a wedding favor. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, wedding yeah. favor, something like uh, that. So I got these, and I didn't know what I was going to do with them. And a couple nights ago, I decided I'm going to do a do a test of this of Glendronic Twelve in a grappa glass and in a Glencairn. And something interesting happened. 
um, I got a way fuller and richer nose out of this glass. Um, I was very surprised, super surprised. I I'm wasn't the biggest fan of the Glendronic 12 um, through the pretty much the life of the bottle. It was okay, but it didn't like hit me. Mm -hmm. uh, out of this glass, it hit me really, really nicely. Um, I I my thoughts are is that the alcohol gets trapped because the 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 bulb is so bulbous right that so bulbous it's so bulbous uh oh. compared compared to the rest of the glass uh <laughs> that it gets all the alcohol gets trapped in the bulb and all that's left is all the flavors and aromatics that come from the whiskey sure um that's how i'm gonna science it um i don't know if that's right but that's what it makes sense in my head and what yeah. i smelt that was, sounds sciencey to me yeah um adam you're the scientist but uh, i just tell science you there but um <laughs> So yeah, no, the, if you happen to come across them, I, I, I would guess to think that they're fairly expensive. Um, I didn't do uh, enough research on the, on the, um, the cost of them, but if you happen to see them um, and are interested, give them a shot. Um, it's, it's worth it, um, in my opinion. So I, I, I was just picturing a scenario there that you have like a travel case with with like a pair of those grappa glasses and you just go to the bar and you say, no, 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 no. I've brought my own glass. And you bring out that enormous weird looking thing. So pretentious. <laughs> and, and force the bartender to pour your whiskey into there instead. Uh, yeah, no, but it's, 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 it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool experience. Um, and like I said, I got, it changed Glendrona 12 for me, but it's definitely a glass that I will not be reaching for on the regular, even though um, what I experienced with it, just because, um, you know, I won't find this anywhere outside of my house. Um, and they're a, a real pain in the butt to clean. Yeah, no doubt. You probably have to get a brush in there and like... Yeah, I made a, I made a really bad mistake with this one. I put it in the dishwasher oh. and, it, and it cracked the, oh. the lips. So this one's going in the garbage, but I have a spare... So, um, yeah, don't pro don't, tip, don't baby bottle cleaner things. Perfect for Glen Karen's and all sort of glassware with, uh, interesting mm -hmm. lips. Nice. I'm going to have to get me one of those. Yeah. Um, and, um, the last glass we're going to talk about. It's one that nobody has. We can't even show it. Sorry guys. <laughs> no, the, the Riedel sommelier glass. Uh, this is something my friend, well, everybody, everybody's friend, you all have met him. Jared uh, really likes these, and he's got a collection of them at his house. And I like them as well. It's it's about the size of a Glencairn, but, you know, with straight sides and then a, a flared um, lip to it. And uh, and then, like, a little wine glass base. So it's so it's the overall volume and, like, the height of the uh, glass chamber in there is, is, is taller. And... Uh, I don't know. They're really nice. They're not quite as aggressive. It kind of takes uh, some of the edge off from what a Glencairn will do on the nosing. But um, yeah, you want to see it? Look it up. The Riedel. Some of the I, glass. I think I think we can have Brad, um, Brad uh, pull up a quick image of that um, oh, as yeah. well. As well, make him do something. Um, if anyone's interested, uh, it's Bourbon Night. Um, uses these glasses that's right uh, in, they in, do. All, in all their videos um chad and sarah over there um who we got the pleasure of meeting um at the at the launch party 
and uh, and had a little tasting that that was happening and uh absolute delightful people if you don't subscribe um or um have any watched any videos definitely go check them out they're um they're awesome people yeah yeah bourbon night people were uh really cool they do use those glasses i totally forgot about that yeah um yeah okay so i mean that's there's probably other weird glassware out there right but uh that quite pretty much covers the the gamut of stuff that's really whiskey centric i think yeah so i found a picture i found a picture of it he he did it brad you're a hero load the damn picture there we go there There it is yeah exactly one of these things Mm -hmm. yeah i mean those look classy as fuck too so yeah i think we might have to beep that why (laughs) <laughs> it's a whiskey show, Vito. <laughs> All right. So with that, we don't, we don't do cork squeaks here. We're <laughs> this is not chill filtered. Um, with that out of the so way, with that out <laughs> of the way, what is next? We are going to hit our weekly dram. Yes. The weekly dram. This is where we're going to be tasting, uh, comparing, nosing all that fun stuff that uh everyone always asks about uh rare whiskeys or whiskeys that you're interested in uh whiskeys that you want to give a second chance and just want a second opinion on maybe we can convince you otherwise um this week we're doing a talisker showdown i think we we chose the talisker because i mean we all are giant giant fans of talisker right like that was one of my it wasn't it wasn't one of the first whiskeys i had but it was certainly in the first five that I really enjoyed. Talisker was the Talisker 10 was the whiskey that when I had it, I, I didn't like whiskey to begin with when I had it, I was like, there might be something here, but I can drink it right now. And that's what kind of catapulted me into my, my whiskey journey. So Talisker will always hold a big place in my heart uh, for pushing me into this. Um, and yeah, just everything's always good from them. Yeah, never had, never had a bad, never had a bad expression. I've really found too. Uh, I've obviously got a bunch of friends that are into whiskey, but I've got a bunch of friends that are a little bit whiskey curious. Maybe they're not quite as nerdy as all this, but uh, you know, they 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 like it and want to learn a little bit about it. And it seems almost universal that those folks enjoy Talisker. Like it's a it's a whiskey curious. Uh, person scotch i think it's just smoky enough just interesting enough um that uh it's not boring it's uh but it's also uh approachable yep as well brad how do you feel about talisker um i'm uh, sure you have a lot i to say am about a this. fan uh i have i think seven or eight different uh, expressions from talisker you might be uh, basically everything available in canada and a couple extras that i've dragged from other places right uh, I haven't found a bad one yet, in, including just buying them sight unseen and sending them to Josh's house for the ones that I can't get shipped here. You know, so when so. you Brad's going to be coming here in a few weeks, right? So uh, for level two, sommelier class. That's right. I cannot get this book out of here. There is no way to get it out without breaking the box, I swear. So this thing might have to get destroyed if you want to find out what in the world is in this book. It's got to be some sort of epic secret if they keep it that hidden. There's like a ribbon in front of it. I don't. I, I wanted to get it out and look at it, but then I was afraid I was going to break something. 
but we'll figure it out when you get here. As long as you don't break the bottle, you can break the box. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it priorities. Um, All right, so um, Joshua, hit hit up uh, Talisker real yeah. quick. Yeah, uh, so I thought, you always heard that they're on the Isle of Skye, right, which is uh, off the coast of Scotland, I think on towards the north side. Yeah, northwest side yeah. Uh, in, in the inner Hebrides. Hebrides. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. I was there. I was there two years ago, and it's a, it's an absolutely beautiful place to visit. But anyways, um, I thought it was the only distillery there because you always hear that. But apparently, in the last year, there's another one that's opened. Uh, Brad pointed that out to me, so I didn't look like a total idiot by claiming it was the only <laughs> it was the only distillery on the Isle of Skye. I this right. one of those hey, learned something. Yeah, right. Uh, Torapeg. Is that how you say it? Any idea? Uh, yes, I have no idea. It's one of those unpronounceable Gaelic words, right? Torabeg. Uh, Torabeg. Torabeg. Let's go with um, that. So Talisker, like a lot of other distilleries, um, Lagavulin, Oban, I think Dalwini, I mean, they, they own so many things. It's owned by Diageo. Uh, and they're kind of famous for that uh, briny, salty, maritime kind of character um, to their whiskey. Um I have the distiller's edition right here with me today, which is, uh, it doesn't have an H statement on it, uh, but it is essentially from what I could find the, the tin, uh, but finished in Amoroso sherry casks. Um, and uh, Diageo does this a lot. They have several distiller's editions. There's a Talisker, this guy, there's a Lagavulin and Oban, probably some others, um, but they're all, all sort of wine finished, sherry finished stuff. Um, tried to figure out what in the world Amoroso was, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, Amoroso in Spanish means lovable. So workers would come home and, and they'd pick up their sherry to drink at home, but they would also ask for bottles of Oloroso sherry with a touch of Pedro Jimenez added in to sweeten it up a little bit to bring home to their wives so that the wine would taste more lovable or Amoroso. I thought that was kind of cute. So... That's what this is essentially 10 year old sherry uh, finished Talisker. Uh, probably chill filtered because Talisker generally is, but yeah. maybe maybe with the, uh, the Amoroso finish, maybe they didn't add any color. The uh, only, as far as, I, as far as I'm aware, am I echoing? Okay. Um, uh, as far bit, as, I, but, so. yeah. All right. As far as I'm Go aware, ahead. the only Talisker expression that's not that's non-chill filtered and uncolored is Nest Point. Uh, and I'm fairly sure that's, that's a very limited travel release. Yeah, that's I'm incredibly jealous of the travel release Talisker's. Yeah. I can't seem to get. I want the Dark Storm really bad, which somebody somebody's picked up one and just needs to make their way back to Austin and bring it back. Somebody. Someone. Someone. Has. It's not me. Someone not me. For, for once, it's not me. <laughs> for once, yeah. it's not me. Um, Steve, amazing whiskey cabinet. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so I have the Distiller's Edition. And and also, of course, I had the Talisker 18 that has been fantastic uh, that, that I've just made the last pour of. I still have some left in the glass here, and I wanted to compare the two side by side a little bit. But um, the next one was what? you uh, Yours, Brad, right? 
Uh, yeah, I happen to have one of it's. It's not a travel release, but I think it was like a European exclusive release at first or something. I'm not sure how some ended up in Canada, but the Portree, which I think that's how you pronounce. It's another Gaelic word, so like right. I heard that's how you pronounce it, but Portree, Port Rugi, something. <laughs> I don't know. Right. It's it's another one of these Talisker like double name things, like the 57 North. Like Portree is the largest port city on the isle of sky yeah but mm -hmm. it's also talisker finished in a port cask so they they like doing double so name. clever with the names those they're so guys. clever they're so <laughs> but yeah and I, I think this is another one i'm i'm pretty sure it's chill filtered and i have no idea if they added color to it with the port finished or not but it doesn't say that it's natural color so it very well could be talisker does it a lot so very possible Somebody is saying uh, it's poor tree. Poor yeah, tree. The, t the town. The town's called poor tree. So okay, I, sure. I, would, I, I guess Let's you could, if you say, if you say port, port, port re really quickly, like an like a specific Irishman that we know is port, port, port re. Okay. Say it real quick. Port re, port re. Cool. Um, and then. Vito has the one that I so badly want. So I was lucky enough to get gifted this. Um, uh, can you see it? Uh, Talisker Dark Storm. Right there. Uh, travel release, one liter bottle. Um, definitely colored. Definitely chill filtered. Um, it's absolutely delicious. Um, again, it's, an, it's a non-age statement. Um, Age less than ten years, but um, really, really, really rich. Um, and uh, this one's marketed as um, being the peatiest and spiciest uh, talisker um, because of its heavily charred oak casks. Um, it doesn't say what was in it before, but I would assume bourbon, like most of the other taliskers, um, and. Um, Essentially, how you want to sort of look at this one, if you have never had it before or never even heard of it, um, in the base lineup, you have the 10. Uh, Talisker 10, which is delicious. I just finished a, a, a small pour of that to mm -hmm. get ready for this. Then you have the Talisker Storm, um, which is a little bit spicier, getting more into that uh, really more briny, peaty uh, taste because the barrels were charred uh, more. And then the Dark Storm, super dark super charred um is the in that like my the triple threat talisker triple threat what i what i'm gonna coin right now <laughs> um it's uh it's the extreme of of it right so if you want something in between if talisker tends a little bit too light and dark storms a bit too uh heavy heavy for you the storm's a really nice medium uh but if you like the 10 and you like the storm for me the the dark storm the storm is a little bit underwhelming because uh, mm -hmm. I'd rather have the the either of the extreme than the middle for for my my taste makes sense it's, it sounds kind yeah. of analogous to Yardbag grooves heavily uh, charred although the grooves I think was red wine casks or something it was yeah it was red wine casks this one doesn't state but I'm gonna assume that it was uh, ex bourbon um, it may have helped uh, Talisker ten previously I'm just guessing but um, uh, it's a it's a it's a it's it's a recharred oak cask is what right. they was what they officially say burned within an inch of its life 
True. Yeah. If you, have you have you seen have, if no one's ever seen uh, extremely charred uh, stave oak stave before, it's uh, like a war zone. Yeah, I have one in my garage. I should have grabbed it. But that's nah, right. okay. Uh, let's get to tasting these. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got uh, like I said, I've got the eighteen here, which you know is not too dissimilar from the ten. I mean, it's just a little more, you know rounded added complexity and you know not uh not quite so spiky as the 10 you know and then comparing them side by side the the sherry influence really just jumps out at me like it loses some of the spiky uh notes that in the 18 i get the like a spiciness that's similar to uh, anise like almost a licorice type note to it along with the salt and the smoke uh, whereas that spiciness is kind of gone here in the uh, in the distiller's edition, I get all of the the sweet, grapey, whiny type notes. So, and actually, kind of a kind of an ashiness to the smoke, uh, where it's a lot more elegant on the eighteen. Uh, the 18 is definitely more refined, whereas this is a little more in your face. Yeah, it's, probably, it's definitely not aged that long. Yeah. I mean, overall, it's it's really tasty. And I, I, I'm kind of a sucker for uh, cask finishes of, of all kinds. I, I don't know, something I really like about it. But the 18 is just such a nice, magnificent whiskey that's a, a perfect balance between youth and age, I think, that... Uh, you know, this this comes across as a bit aggressive in comparison, but drinking it by itself, I think it's fantastic. Mm. Um, what about you, Brad? How's that Port Rugi? The Port Rugi? The Port Rugi. It's pretty good. Uh, it's definitely not my usual thing. It's def far sweeter than most Taliskers because of the port finish. And usually I don't really go for the sweeter end of whiskey, mm -hmm. but it is very much like it's, it's weirdly unsurprising in that it feels exactly like what my brain thinks Talisker 10 and a port finish would taste like, like it is exactly that it's a good combo, but it's not surprising at all. The only weirdly surprising thing is in the finish. I get like, uh, cocoa powder like from cheap chocolate cereal like cocoa puffs oh so like a chocolate but a dusty chocolate yeah i, and I don't know where that's coming from <laughs> <laughs> but other like it's it's just tasty and it's nice it's probably one of the less spiky taliskers too because of the sweetness sort of undercutting the brine and everything mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it is very good it's very nice if you get a chance to try it i highly suggest it uh, I have no idea if it's ever going to be openly available in the U.S. because I don't know why it's even available in Canada because it's supposed to be like a European exclusive thing, but I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's it's quite good. So you that was available just at the store in Canada, or you had to order it? Uh, yeah, no, it, it's available in in stores in at least some provinces. Damn it, I haven't seen it in Ontario, <laughs> but uh, it is in Canada. Yeah. Well, lucky you some reason I, <laughs> I don't ask questions when i find these things I that's that's it. true it's best not to ask questions just accept the good fortune um and uh so veto with the dark storm then 
This is just uh, great. Um, so I always like comparing to the 10 uh, because it is almost like how Brad um, compared the the idea that, uh, well, the, how he tastes the uh, poetry. I'm going to try and pronounce it right. The poetry of uh, the port and the Talisker 10 mixed together. That's exactly how you would think it. Now mm -hmm. just think now just think Talisker 10 um, extra with extra barrel char um, and what that gives to what that will impart onto the whiskey spices um, a bit of um, a bit of that uh, smoky characteristic right sure. a, bit of a, a bit of ashiness as well right. um, so it, for me it takes everything about Talisker 10 and imparts almost an Isla characteristic to it okay. um, Right, so I always get green apples uh, from Talisker 10, um, uh, uh, cooking cedar, Spanish cedar I get, um, brine, a little bit of peats, a bit of spice, um, a little bit of pork, like a cured pork, um, and a very, very slight ashiness to it. Um, with uh, the Dark Storm, it's all of those just taken up to 10. Um, 10 for an island, uh, an island whiskey, not a 10 uh isla whiskey mm -hmm. um, it doesn't compare to ardbeg 10 or lafroig or those the heavy hitters in isla but it takes everything about an island whiskey and just brings it right up to the level um right below uh isla um it's just it's just really really good so that's interesting that's uh, i've i would love to try all three of these side by side now because I've heard us describe some differences, but I've heard us describe a lot of similarities too. We've all referenced it being like the 10 plus X, right? Yeah. Uh, being being non-H statements, I feel like that's, uh, they use the 10 as the base for, for all of these, right? So, sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, I know the, it's it's interesting when you're, when you're comparing um, uh, distillery expressions, um, which you can find with, uh, with all the similarities and, uh, pulling notes and whatnot. It sounds like yours is has, has a lot of similarities to mine, uh, the, the Distiller's Edition versus the Dark Storm. Um, but where mine has sort of that grapey notes, yours has a little bit more smoke and char and stuff like that. Yeah, de definitely. Um, like on the taste, it's like smoked bacon. Like if you put bacon on a barbecue, um, like I get that. I get a uh, heavier, um, a heavier peat than from the nose, and get this, I get honey, honey, uh, golden fruits, and uh, oddly nori, so like dried seaweed. Uh, sure, that makes sense. Pun punching through um, all that smoky characteristic that hits me up front, and then all like it just kind of fades, and then all the sweetness comes right back up through through all that and so it's it's it really develops well um as, as you drink it that sounds phenomenal that's one of my favorites combinations in whiskey is the uh smoke and fruit combo with you know those other flavors in there but if it's got that uh if you've got a fruitiness and then a smoke within some salty and savory character it seems like it's hitting all of those corners to make it a really complex satisfying whiskey yeah um yeah no um for anyone here, what would you what would you rate uh, rate your whiskeys out of ten? Out of ten, I'm terrible at this. I'm terrible. Okay, so, at this. so so we're gonna we're gonna start a system. Ten being 
I would buy again within a heartbeat. Uh, five being, I won't turn it down if given if I'm given a pour. One being, uh, respectively, decline. So like 10 is more of a, once it's done, I must replace it as soon as possible. Yeah. I see. I see. That makes sense. No, uh, that's... I don't know that I would say I would replace this as soon as possible, but I would definitely buy it again. So I guess that's that's what a seven and a half, eight, right? Yeah. yeah I'd, pro I'd probably go like a seven on this. It's good. I would definitely recommend people try it if they get a chance, but like you don't necessarily need to chase after it too hard. It's not one of the unicorns or anything. Right. For me, this is a nine. Um, I'd give it a 10, but it's incredibly difficult uh, at least for myself to come back into Canada with more than one bottle, because when you come back into Ontario specifically, you got to pay taxes on the second, third, fourth, fifth, and so on bottles. So, um, I can only bring so many bottles back at a time. Um, if I'm not bringing back a bottle, I'm hundred percent going to restock on this, on this guy. Um, it's so, so good, but because of the limits to gaining it, back to my house <laughs> a point gets deducted if, yeah. if it was if it was off the shelf 10 all day the availability yeah if, sure. if, if it was in the stores 10 10 10 10 but that, so I, that... I like christina's suggestion here for, the, <laughs> for, for a reference of canadian mist yeah for never from canadian mist to what like uh canadian mist to uh dream cask 1815 yeah, yeah, one of those unobtainable. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, on a on a scale from Canadian Mist, Canadian Mist to eighteen fifteen, I'd I'm, rate this say, uh, I'd rate this a Nougatal. <laughs> sure, fair. Let's see. I'd do the same. Yeah. I'd rate it a Nougatal. Sure. <laughs> All um, right. Cool. All well, right. Yeah. So that's I, I, that's cool. You made me want the dark storm even more if that was possible. So you'll get so you. good. You'll, <laughs> you'll 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 get one. Yep. All right. Um, so um, we're going to uh, go right into what we like to call the fiddly bits. We're gonna call the fiddly bits because fiddly bits. So um, fiddly. Gotta have be, the fiddly bits. You gotta have the the fiddly bits. This is gonna be a recommendation center. Uh, just a very quick. Hey, um, I tried this recently. Take a look at it. Um, I went to an event, um, upcoming event maybe um, that you're really excited for, um, or you know YouTube channels, music, books, music. Uh, I said music twice. Sure. Um, so yeah. So I'm gonna kick off. Um, professionals. I, very professional. <laughs> Absolutely, 100% professional. Yes. So last week I attended a Glenfiddich tasting hosted by the Canadian ambassador for Glenfiddich. Um, and on the menu was the, um, all the experimental series. Uh, they had the IPA, the XX, uh, winter storm and the fire and cane. Um, the IPA was, uh, really interesting. I would never have expected to get as much of a, that IPA bitterness out of a whiskey before, but it was there. It tickled me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, it made it interesting. I probably wouldn't buy a bottle of it, but I can see that, you know, for like the hop heads out there that love craft IPAs, um, that would be right up their alley. Just how ticklish are you? Very ticklish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
See, I, I never, I've had a few hopped, I haven't had the Glenfiddich, but I've had a few hopped whiskeys and it's one of those things that I just personally really hate. And I don't hate hoppy beer at all. Yeah. Uh, I have no problem drinking IPAs, but for some reason you put a lot of hops into a whiskey context and it starts to get nasty for me. Yeah. But that said, I'd try it. I'd try it. You know, there may be it's, one out there. That's awesome. I, I say it's worth a try if you like hoppy beers. It's very interesting. And the same goes for the... Excuse me, the Jameson castmates, right? Mm -hmm. um, that they're influenced very well by the by the IPA and um, the stout cast that they that they used to do that. So um, it's those are really well done. The IPA is well done too. It's just um, it's just not a bottle that I would uh, I would buy myself. Sure. Um, the double X was where it got really interesting. So with the double X is it's not twenty. Um, is what I found out. I I thought it was the Glenfiddich twenty. It is the XX, um, and uh, they call it the XX because it's not a twenty year old whiskey. It's a it's a twenty barrel blend. Um, so with without having to be confused and people up in arms, they just call it the XX. Um, so it's twenty barrels, uh, all selected by all twenty ambassadors for the for the distillery. Um, and um, you know they have your standard European oak, uh, ex bourbon, uh, but uh, no sherry or, or oloroso or anything like that, um, except for one. The Canadian ambassador chose to uh, chose a port cask um, to blend in, and being a sucker for port, um, it blew me away. It was that one cask of port dominated that 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 pour that i had and it was glorious it was so good uh very rich um that's crazy it's like one twentieth of the blend and yeah it, it took me it took me by 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 uh by by surprise uh, it's but like it was, the same thing would happen if you did like one peated cask and a bunch of unpeated stuff like it would just yeah the influence sure. is strong enough that it would be noticeable Right. Yeah. Right. The so powerful that was, flavor. That was definitely really good. I would I would consider buying a bottle of that, uh, depending on what the price is. Um, um, the price is in, in Ontario. We're um, we're not exactly the cheapest province in Ontario in Canada to buy whiskey from. About um, how much is that in in where you are? If I'm not mistaken, I think the ambassador said it's going to be about. Ninety dollars Canadian, which is about seventy five, seventy seventy five American. Okay, um, I'm if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, um, but yeah, so that was that. Uh, the winter storm, as expensive as it is, it mm. is glorious. If you like ice wine, um, it's aged exclusively in Peller Estate Ontario Winery ice uh, wine barrels. Um, Peller Estates is my favorite Ontario winery. I love their ice wine. The second I tried it, it blew me away. Um, if it wasn't four hundred dollars, I would totally buy a bottle. Um, so ice wine, ice wines that uh, they—it's um, like how they make certain whiskeys, like um, Applejack and stuff like that, right? They freeze it and then it becomes higher alcohol content because of that. Is that right? Exactly. Like they, they pull the grapes after the first frost. Or yeah. Like there's, oh, it's the grapes, not the actual the wine. Frozen-ish yeah. from from the first frost. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but it was beautiful. I love ice wine. If you like ice wine and can afford the bottle, it is amazing. Um, so 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 good. Uh, can't 
it was it was my winner if it was a bit if it was within my price range it would be my my winner uh overall um but the winner overall for me was the firing cane um so good peated expression um glenn Fittick actually does uh one peated run a year mm -hmm. um and uh they started fiddling with um with uh the peat uh from bell i think it'd get it from belvini not sure who's next i think it's belvini that's next door to glenn fittick um yeah um and it's just the right amount of peat um if you were trying to get anyone into peated whiskey um i would definitely either use that or the talisker 10 uh but i'd almost say the firing came because of this the amazing uh switch that happens um on the finish where it's you get a bit of peat and then it just disappears and a it's like a sugar cane just like i know it, it's it's one of those it, things that every time you smell it every time you taste it it changes a little bit it's all yeah. smoke at first and then it's all it's all uh molasses sweetness and and yeah, yeah. it's yeah. and um it's Maple also syrup. so it's peated it's peated glenfiddich um but if i'm not mistaken it's also aged in um i think jamaican rum casks or caribbean rum casks as well yeah. uh which uh for me um would impart that um uh, sugarcane right um, and, and all, and all those sugarcane notes to it it's kind of really... like winter spice notes too right like yeah. uh, clove cinnamon stuff like that um that everybody that i've talked to myself included you gretchen my wife she liked it um quite a bit uh, a few of the local austin magnificent bastards in fact uh, we recommended that rex try it so i think you should probably see it on an upcoming episode of whiskey vault nice, nice. Um, yeah so, it's fantastic stuff so that's those are my recommendations for really interesting expressions from glenfiddich that's uh trying to branch out they're they're trying to not be that um you know, oh, there's Glenfiddich bottle. It's like I see it everywhere. They're trying different things and uh, doing good things. So, yeah, it's yeah. one of those creative distilleries. I appreciate that, and I always kind of wrote off Glenfiddich as kind of one, it's one of those behemoth brands, you know, yeah. that's like everywhere. And and but they're doing interesting, creative things and trying stuff. And you know, I I, I like distilleries that do that and do it well. And the Fire and Cane is just a great example of that. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's mine. Um, Josh, what do you have? Um, so just this week, I think, uh, the Jim Murray Whiskey Bible came out. And a little proud moment for me here because everybody knows I'm a big Texas whiskey evangelist, uh, if you will. Uh, two Texas whiskeys won really high awards in the Jim Murray Whiskey Bible, One, both of which I have. One was the uh, something like the uh, craft distillery uh, whiskey of the year was the Garrison Brothers Balmeray, uh, which comes in this tiny, tiny bottle, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but it's an excellent bourbon. It's It's got some kind of interesting double cask finish to it. Uh, you know, they, they take the barrels and then move them into new barrels and age them for another period of time. Uh, I think there's also some kind of oxygenation process I heard about. Um, the details on it aren't really uh, too out there, but um, fantastic, fantastic stuff. I think it's one of the nice, uh, nicest bourbons that Garrison Brothers has come out with. Um, the runner-up in that same category was personally my favorite of the two, 
the Balcones peated single malt, which uh, you could only get at the distillery as a limited release for their 10th anniversary. So I really think right now, Texas whiskey is kind of having a coming of age moment, uh, if you will. Yeah, with uh, all, with with all the with with all the boom around uh, around the um, the state and um, just the expansion of all the craft distilleries into uh, into the association, there's yep, going to be a, yeah. lo a lot of attention is going to be on Texas now, and yep. it's it's worth it. We have the Texas Whiskey Association that just came out. Of course, uh, you know, Crowded Barrels involved with that. Garrison Brothers, Balcones, Andalusia, Iron Root Republic, uh, Ranger Creek in San Antonio, Treaty Oak, which is right here in Austin. Still Austin, which uh, they have new make spirit right now, but they've got some bourbon aging as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really coming together and they're trying to make Texas uh, whiskey a defined category. And that's something I think in, in, you know, in a week or two, uh, we could go into a, a little more in depth about, but um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool that in one of the most well-regarded whiskey publications out there, the number one and number two selections were Garrison Brothers and Balcones. Uh, speaking of Balcones, on Saturday, Gretchen and I, and I roughly like a dozen people are going up to Waco uh, for Balcones' uh, 10th anniversary party. Um, they're coming out with two new single malts, which are, I think, second fill cast. It's similar to their Mirador uh, single malts, uh, but one's a sherry finished and one's a port finished uh, single malt. Uh, I'm not going to, they have these Spanish names, Hechicheros and Brujeria. I don't know, I'm probably not saying that correctly at all. If only we knew a Mexican. <laughs> if only, if only. Uh, and then we're also supposed to have a taste of uh, the weeded bourbon, which I, I did get a chance to taste uh, at another event a while ago, which is quite good. Um, it's kind of unusual for them because Balcones is usually pretty bold, wood forward, uh, high proof, et cetera. And for them to do a, a, a sweeter expression like a weeded bourbon, um, it's, you know, it's not mild or pretty or, or boring by any means, but it's just, you know, a little something different for them that, uh, demonstrates their their versatility and the range that they can do. So pretty excited for that. Should be a good time. Nice. Um, and then uh, Brad had uh, a new YouTube channel he found. It was a uh, yeah. So it, it's called the Rock Gut Review uh, by Ed <laughs> O'Meara. I think he was in the chat actually. I'm not sure if he still is. Let's see. Uh, but he's been doing reviews with his dad. I assume he's referred to as the old man which I, I'm assuming is his old man, but uh, I don't know. But they do reviews on sort of weird things, like they did a Fireball and another Cinnamon Whiskey, and they just like bottom shelf sort of weird things so far. And it's really well done. And cool. as a fully well-established uh, new YouTube channel, I, I figure it's our duty as professional YouTubers, the professional to, to help the little guy. Yeah, we got to help the people first, just starting. Oh, Give exactly. Them when, yeah. when they're just starting out, you know, it's hard. Right. When people are just starting out. So, uh, no, it's it's really, it's actually really great. It's well put together. It I'll put fun. a link in in the chat, and then I'll I'll put a link in the video description thing when we do it. But yeah, it's yes, called the Rock Gut Review, and it's it's really good. He's done three or four videos so far. I think it's pretty new, but it's great, and you should check it out. Pretty yeah, sure we met Ed in Austin during the Crowded Barrel opening, didn't we? We did. Yeah, we met him. Yeah, he came to dinner and then uh, came to the uh, Friday night uh, happy hour we did. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to have to go check it out. 
That sounds like a lot of fun. You yeah. said they did Fireball? They did Fireball. Yeah, they did Fireball and another like weird cinnamon whiskey hell, thing. Hell, like, hell, like hell, hell water. <laughs> hell water. That's, yeah, that's hell water. It's, yeah. uh, it, it literally looks like uh, you took red food coloring and dripped it into water. Oh, it God. Does. It does. It looks horrible. Yeah. It, 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 according, according to the, I'm not going to spoil anything, but uh, it makes it makes other things palatable. <laughs> okay, by comparison, by comparison, by comparison. Oh, def- exactly. definitely, definitely give them a shot, a, a look, guys. Um, it's uh, they're a lot of fun, and Ed's a good, a cool, good, cool dude, and uh, yeah, show them, show them some love. Right on. Um, all right, so we're gonna take um, some questions that our demi host has uh, acquired through. Yes, um, I've, I've collected a couple of random questions. I'm sure I missed some because the chat is chaos, but I, I managed to grab some. So I, I saw one from Jeffrey Patron, which is Patron. a question for the boys, which I'm assuming is all of us. I think we're what boys. is your favorite gateway whiskey for the Dram Curious? Mm. Mm. Um, well, I'm, I feel a bit by, I, oh, this is a hard question because it depends. Cause you want to, you want to kind of qualify them because if they, if they like wine, I would start them off with something uh, from high, from the Highlands or Space Side. Mm-hmm. Um, something you know, easy and approachable. You know, start, start if they've never ha- if they've never had any drops of whiskey, start them with a the Glenfiddich. Um, you can if you find if you have Monkey Shoulder in your reservoir and you're, they're at your house, you can try give that uh, give them that. Uh, myself, I tend to start with uh, Habiki Harmony. Um, yeah, okay, that, I haven't tried that. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, yeah, um, that, I've done. A, I've, call. I've done a couple of a couple of um, like intro tastings to some of my friends that have been curious with you know what you know what I'm involved with uh, with uh, you guys and uh, the whiskey community as a whole, and um, I've always started them off with um, um, Habiki Harmony, and then I move into a Red Breast Twelve, and then from there oh, I kind yes. of I got I kind of curated a little bit um, trying. To, try and test out my uh fledging psalm skills um but uh i usually start with the habiki harmony it's 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 friendly it's got a, a lot of nice uh, spice notes uh without being too overpowering it uh it's got a touch of peat almost 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 unnoticeable but it's it's just there um so if they don't like peat and they pick it up you know where not to bring them uh, mm-hmm. but it's it, it won't it's not i haven't met anyone that hasn't been able to finish a pour of it um, and it, and they keep on going after that. So, uh, for me, if you need a recommendation, that's what I would say. Um, if you don't know where to go, Habiki Harmony, if you have it is, it, I've had a lot of, uh, positive feedback on that one. All right. Yeah. That's a solid recommendation. I've, I've got some in the cabinet here. Sure. It's, it's definitely not a go-to for me. I don't love it, but it's pretty good, but I could see like, it's nice and friendly enough that somebody that's curious, that would be a good recommendation. It is another thing I would probably add to that list if you happen to have it, since it's discontinued now. Is the Compass Box Asyla? Oh, yeah. it is yeah. amazingly smooth and friendly, mm-hmm. but it's just—it's just got enough little spiky interestingness that you can kind of try to gauge where to go next from it. Uh, but it—it's—it's it's not going to you know stab anybody or uh, you know make anybody freak out. Probably, the uh, probably the compass, bo- the, well, the friendlier side of compass box in general. Like if you had some hedonism or something. Well, yeah, hedonism, or even like the uh, what is it, uh, Great King Street. Great King Street, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'll tell you the one that I've had the most success with. And well, Fire and Cane may kind of take the top spot now. I got to try it on more people. But uh, the one I've definitely had the most success with is Bunahaven 12. Yeah. Mm. It's, you know, I mean, it's it's not super interesting or, or you know, if you're a whiskey drinker, you may find it a little bit sweet or a little bit uh, simple, but um we the first time uh, Gretchen ever had it was uh, we did a little scotch tasting in the uh, vaults, and that was part of the tour of Scotland, right? And she, Gretchen, I don't think had ever liked a whiskey before, and all of a sudden, this was one where she said, "Oh, oh, that's that's not terrible. That's that's actually pretty good." Um, I used it in a scotch tasting I gave her some friends last week. Uh, that turned out to be. Uh, one of the guy's top choice, like if he was going to pick his favorite, it was the Boonhaven 12. I've given it to my sister and my brother-in-law. They both liked it. So I've had a lot of success with that one. It's nice and approachable. It's got some nice kind of um, cherry notes and a uh, little bit oaky, uh, a little bit vanilla, stuff like that. So it's got some kind of bourbon-ish flavors too. If somebody's a bourbon fan, uh, that's a good way to get into scotch. So I think it's, it's one like... Um, kind of a universal appeal to it it's it's a, it's a really good one yeah so yeah i think that would be my choice somali brad cool. yes what do you start your tastings off with uh well it, it would depend on the person uh but usually probably a compass box blend great king street or the artist uh, the art i think it's just artist blend whatever the, the artist one is that's right uh, or a sila uh habiki harmony would be very good. Uh, the Jameson's Castmate Stout, if they're into yeah. like dark chocolate or anything like that, like it sort of depends on the the flavor profiles that I get from them, I guess. Yep. Right. And then from there, you know, we can veer off to maybe like a Talisker Storm if they want to go less sweet and more briny, or maybe like uh, Highland Park Twelve or something if they want to just try a little bit of peat, but not super into it or another Japanese thing. Nika from the barrel. If they're more into like the, the whatever the, the, that sweetness, that's not sugar. <laughs> I don't know what the hell even to call yeah. it from Nika yeah. from the barrel. Yeah. The, the Japanese stuff is generally pretty friendly and approachable and has that kind yeah. of pretty quality to it. Yeah. 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 It's usually pretty friendly for people. Yeah. And then just uh, go from there. So how how much more time do we have for questions? Do we have time for another one or two? I think we got a we got a couple more very interesting questions that we yeah, really I'm, I'm game to. for it. Including uh, this next one from Gretchen Galladay, whose oh name you might recognize as oh. being Josh's wife. Oh boy! Which makes this question very interesting. Vito, are you wearing pants? <laughs> I am indeed wearing pants. If you need proof. For the audio listeners, sorry. This is why you have to. This is why you have to tune in. You can't hear pants, or, or why you shouldn't tune in, depending on what your threshold is. For this me. is how he got the nickname Vito Crotch. <laughs> All right, and and one more here, just to to round out the questions. I guess we got one from Timothy Barth, which is for me, I guess directly. Uh, what do you consider expensive for whiskey? 
to which I'll say it's a real shame that we're out of time for questions and we just have to move <laughs> on. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, it's a, you know may, maybe next time we'll we'll have time to to answer such things. All right. He so he doesn't have an answer. He doesn't have. An I answer. haven't found the answer yet. I I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Right. I don't know yet. Um, it's it's very subjective. It's a very subjective question. You have to take a lot of things into consideration. Of course. Uh, so it's not something that we can answer. Uh, for me personally, um, the most expensive bottle I've ever bought was uh, the Octomore uh, 7.1 right there. Mm. It was $225 Canadian. Uh, but then um, other than that, all my other bottles um, are 120 Canadian and under. Um, the Lagavulin 12 right here being the, on the high end and then everything else pretty much under $100 Canadian. Yeah, I think just shy of 200 was probably the most expensive single bottle. I think, yeah, probably uh, probably the Octomore, I think 7.3 was about that, like 180 or something like that. Um, that's getting pretty up there. I mean, you know, I walk past the lock cases in the stores and the stuff they keep behind the counter. And, you know, yeah. I've, I've gotten lucky enough and had enough generous uh, awesome friends to be able to try some of those super expensive, hard to find uh, whiskeys. But um, for it's, me personally, if I'm buying for my own collection, like 200 starts to get pretty painful. I usually would like to be under 100. Yeah. But, so would you say like 150 is a decent, like 150, you're not questioning it? Over 150, you're questioning it? I'm definitely questioning it. I mean, I'm not, you know. Yeah, you know, of course. It's just one of those. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, everything's sure. like I said. It's it's every every everyone's situation is different, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's where uh, mooch skills come in, into play. Absolutely, uh, gotta gotta upgrade those mooch skills if you want to try some expensive whiskeys. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I mean it's it's definitely a, a game of diminishing returns. You know, yeah. once you pass, you know, it, e even under two hundred bucks, like more than two hundred dollars, and you're not getting the same level of increase in quality as you are spending the money so it's more for the experience the rarity you know the the whole the whole kind of experience package rather yeah, than a 500 whiskey, whiskey is five times better than yeah. a 100 whiskey although there are some amazing <laughs> expensive whiskeys. <laughs> totally, absolutely uh, but generally speaking you're probably not going to get your money's worth if that's what you're going for specifically. There's plenty of really great whiskeys you can have a lot cheaper than, you know, going like four or five figures for some of the insane whiskeys. Yeah, like, I mean, like, it's a different argument. Like, if you're a bang for the buck person and that's like the the, the, the lens through which you view your whiskey journey, then uh, yeah. bang for the buck, you're probably not going to be buying 200, 500. Two thousand dollar bottles, right? Uh, because you're if, if not you're a really crazy person. If you're a crazy person trying to create interesting whiskey experiences for groups of people, like a certain person has been, <laughs> we know uh, anybody. Like you spend a little more sometimes, and you know it can be worth it for the experience, even Absolutely. if the whiskey itself isn't necessarily, you know, worth. 10 or 20 or 40 times, you know, a normal bottle might cost you. Some legendary exp experiences have been had. So, yes. um, yeah, I think, I think what we should do next, uh, maybe in the next couple of episodes, um, is maybe do a showdown of, um, um, our favorite budget 
uh, whiskeys. Absolutely. Like, like your, sure. you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be the cheapest bottle, but something that's very affordable that gives you a lot of punch, bang for your buck, bang for your buck, um, and uh, talk about that. Let me just ask a preemptive question: Do I get extra points if it comes in a plastic bottle? Uh, yes, you do. Okay. You get Canadian points, which is half an American point, but it's still points. It has right. less freedom than uh, <laughs> a lot less freedom. <laughs> but you get negative points if I sent it to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see. I'm gonna have. To, I'm gonna have to think on that one. All right. Um, so I think uh, we're gonna call it there. Um, so um, on behalf of Josh and Brad, I want to thank everybody for joining us on episode zero um of the cast strength it did podcast say zero yeah it did say episode zero on this on the, it's all on the video. experimental man it's the experimental <laughs> one we're glenn we're glenn Fittick up in here mm. um but yes uh you guys uh please uh uh comment um contact us let us know what you liked what you didn't anything we can improve on i'm gonna get my mic situation figured out um because i oh, know you're cut, fired. or oh god what am i gonna do um yeah so um thank you um and um quick shout outs um let's shout out uh first and foremost uh the three of us but everyone in the comments uh, you guys have been awesome um the chat yeah, thank you so much for watching and everybody that uh, kind of uh, brought in uh, other viewers i see i see dan dewberry here he uh, he hosts a local scotch tasting here in austin and i got an email today that he posted up on his uh, scotch tasting group page uh, for that event telling everybody to come check it out so dan thank you that's awesome um, I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna scare all those people away <laughs> <laughs> they're now terrified yeah and um uh, yeah let's uh let's uh get out of here guys yeah all righty good times good times very good times we're gonna keep this going like i said everyone uh let us know uh, what you think and um we're going to uh leave you with a little bit of dj quaid uh to uh, dance out of here with <laughs> slancha Okay. One, two, three, jump!